The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, the Bible contains promises, words of comfort, a lot of instruction, and there are also warnings. And in Mark chapter 13, Jesus says this in verse 5, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. Well, welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and we are in Mark 13. And you know, the warnings about not being deceived, uh, Bert, kind of reminds me of Colossians 2 verse 8 that says, Beware and take heed and not be ensnared by the false philosophies of the world. Bert, I believe the surest way to uh, equip our mind so that we know truth and we are not deceived by falsehood, saturate ourselves with the Word of God. That is exactly right, Alex, and it's good to be with you again and uh, excited to to share Mark 13. I remember this illustration the first time I heard it, and I don't know uh, who said it, but I remember it, that when they train men in the Treasury Department to look for counterfeit bills, they don't look at all the kinds of counterfeit bills. They only look at those that are the real thing. And they have so much details on the real thing that when one comes up that does not have those details, they can recognize it. So what you want to do is saturate yourself in the Word of God. Like you said, Colossians 2.8, by the Mm. way, that's going to be a scripture that I'm using uh, tomorrow night up in Paris, Tennessee at Truth for New Generation. And uh, so I'm excited about being there with with all those guys and with you, and we're looking forward to it. But yet... Yes, saturate yourself in the Word of God, know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Guess what one thing it'll set you free from? From being taken in by the philosophies of this world. Amen. And uh, Amen. so that's that's what you do. Hey, Bert, i got to say this, and folks, uh, you're listening to Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. So honored that you're listening. Last night, in, speaking of Paris, Tennessee, and folks, you have time to come to this. Last night we had a big youth rally. Abe Hamilton spoke and Will and Mickey Addison. Okay, over 325 youth were there, and it's great, and they said it was just the powerful. Today we had a pastor's lunch. We had 50 pastors signed up, and they said 80 were there. (laughs) 80 out of 50. That's really good. But tomorrow night, and Bert, I want to say thank you. Bert is going to be the MC tomorrow night and is going to speak, and you will meet Bert in person, Will and Mickey Addison in person, Abe Hamilton. I'm coming in, and if you want to come, and the theme is, look, Truth matters, and oh my goodness, indeed it does. But the website, alexmcfarland.com, there are free scholarships, won't cost you anything. Just get to Paris, Tennessee, and Friday night, all day Saturday, we're going to drill down deeply in how to stand strong for truth, and it is for all ages. But Bert, thanks for mentioning, and I, I want to say thank you for really taking the lead, and you'll be you'll be the the star attraction tomorrow night, Bert. Well, listen, I'm telling you, some stars don't shine as bright as others, but I'm excited about being there, sharing that time with uh, all of the folks that will be there, and I hope those will come. Kentucky's not too far away from Paris, Tennessee, so those folks up in Kentucky, come on over. And honestly, Missouri is not that far across the river. And, of course, Mississippi, you know, Tennessee is kind of thinner than it is wider it is thin but it's quite wide but i hope we'll see a lot of people there but looking at mark 13 what really verses one through four kind of attracts me uh jesus has already put these uh you know the pharisees the sadducees the herodians on notice where it says back in chapter 12 and verse 34, after they questioned and questioned and questioned and questioned, and after that, no one dared question him. Yeah. But listen to what happens. That doesn't take care of his followers, his disciples, being impressed by the temple. So they come outside of the temple, and one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. 
Look at this marvelous structure. Isn't this structure some, something? He was impressed with the outward. Now, right. uh, let me just share with you. I think this has some things to do with it. I know he used it as a teaching moment, but uh, they were impressed with the outwards. That's what the Pharisees tried to look good. The, Jesus said, on the outside, man, you're whited sepulchers, but on the inside, mm. you're full of dead men's bones. And so yeah. here's the outward part of it. It looks good, but Jesus kind of tells them what's going to happen to that beautiful structure, doesn't he? Is this what I've heard it called the Herodian Temple? It this is. Way. There are three temples. Now, what you have, yeah. you had Solomon's Temple, and then you had the temple that was built back when they came back, and Zerubbabel built it, but it was taken down. And now Herodian, uh, he he uh, Herod builds it back. And so, yes, it is, but it was still a beautiful structure, and uh, it was it was the structure that was the most impressive in Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, and, you know, this was about 37 B.C. that it was rebuilt. Bert, I had read in a book that the city of Jerusalem had been invaded and and really the scene of battle 13 times in world history. Right. Isn't that something? And, of course, you know, what Jesus says here is that this temple, all these beautiful stones, verse 2, do you see these? Not one stone should be left upon another that shall be not thrown down. And, of course, that happened in A.D. 70. Um, absolutely, as Jesus predicted. But we're going to get to where he talks about really the end of time. Verse 3, now, as, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, Jesus, opposite the temple, and it is, and if you ever go with, maybe we can all go to the Holy Land one day, and you'll see. Bert, don't you feel like when you've been to Israel that it really, you you suddenly, it comes alive how there's the Kidron Valley, and over there's the Mount of Olives, and then you're looking across to Jerusalem, and it really, it does, it, it gave me a lot of understanding that, um, yeah. you know, just reading the words on the page, it wasn't as clear. Peter, James, John, Andrew said privately, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And that um, gets into where he says, hey, don't be deceived. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom earthquakes, famines, troubles, the beginning of sorrows. Bert, um, you know, we, we don't set a date. No man knows the day or the hour. But I look at the world around and especially the wiring of the grid and how we really are. I was just, I was researching for my talk this weekend in Paris, Tennessee. And I mean, folks, you may not realize it. you are under surveillance. In fact, let me just say this. I read um, a very scholarly paper about the internet. Maybe, because you know, you'll you'll let's say you go on a website to you know buy something or whatever, and it'll say, "Do you allow cookies?" And people just hit yes, you know, quickly without reading the fine print. Maybe every keystroke you've ever made on the computer is known. Isn't that something? Well, Bert. Might we be in these last days at the near the return of Christ? I agree with you fully. And when you read this, the important message is not necessarily when, but being ready. Let me share you some verses here. Look at verse 5. Look at two words. And I'm in the New King James. It says, take heed. Mm. Look down at verse 9. Watch out Watch for out. yourselves. And it doesn't stop. Look at verse 23. Take heed once again. And then even following that, verse 33, take heed. And then verse 35, watch. And then verse 37, the last word in that uh, in that chapter is watch. Take heed. Watch for yourselves. So this is what he is saying to those apostles then because 70 A.D. was approaching. And notice it's basically Jewish because it talks about being brought in forth of the synagogues. And, and so you have a double message here in chapter 13. You have the double message of those men who are going to be persecuted, and they're going to be brought before the synagogues, and they're going to be brought before the government. But it also, just like it did in the Old Testament, just like the prophecy does, it has immediacy, but it has long-term as well, Alex. Uh, and, and so the long-term is just what you said we are looking for his return at any time. So what do we do? 
we watch and take heed. Now, what do you do? Again, verse 9, watch out for yourselves. Listen, make sure you're saved. Make sure you're following the Lord. And as you already said earlier in this broadcast, know the truth, know truth, so you won't be beguiled, so you won't be misled by people that come along and they try to come up with something new that hadn't been seen before and hadn't heard in these 2,000 years of following Christ. Take heed and beware. So, Alex, uh, it not only gives you some, I, I would say, some points that we need to take heed of, but main thing is being ready and knowing that it could happen, and we need to be ready. So take heed. Amen. Let, let me read this, and i got to tell you, with the um, politically volatile topics of gay, lesbian, transgender, I mean, I, I feel like we almost see the working out of verses like 10 and following, but listen to this. The gospel must first be preached to all nations, uh, when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. For whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now listen to verse 12. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Bert. I've counseled with two different families uh, where the child that once was a professed to be a Christian said to the parent, two different families where the, the child in their 20s said to the parent, if you ever mention Jesus again to me, I'll never speak to you again. Now, this, this thing it, where parent and child are, you know, sequestered and child betrays parent, Bert. When it gets down to the spiritual loyalty, do you or do you not stand for Jesus? Will you or will you not affirm the word of God rather than the spirit of the culture? I mean, we're going to ultimately the tribulation is going to show where everybody's loyalty lie. It will, Alex. Let me just say a word. You can trust God to love that child more than you even do when that child says, If you say Jesus to me anymore, I'll never speak to you again. God knows what he's doing. We trust him. We trust him with our lives. Therefore, we can trust him with our families and their Mm -hmm. lives. Uh, Again, you stand for Christ. The Bible makes it plain. Having done all, stand. Take your stand in spirit of love and care. We'll be back with more of Mark chapter 13 right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Representative Bill Johnson of Ohio. He has served Ohio's 6th Congressional District since 2011. Proverbs 10.9 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Bill Johnson as he represents the people of Ohio. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Most of us think of the COVID-19 crisis in terms of what it's taken away from us. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's also given us something valuable. We'll discover what it is as we spend two minutes with Tony. This pandemic has disrupted our lives, our work, our play, our sports, our travel, our fun. It has disrupted our gatherings. It has turned what was normal and made it abnormal. In fact, it's made it in some sectors very, very dangerous. But this is a grand opportunity to return to the God who allowed the shaking to occur Because the text says, when God allows the shaking, it is because he's trying to get our undivided attention, which means 
we have wandered from him. We have gotten idols, which is any noun, any person, place, thing, or thought that you look to as your source. (laughs) We've gotten something to replace him. God is not just interested in us singing a song, God bless America. (laughs) He's not interested in only a pledge of allegiance to a nation. He's interested in a pledge of allegiance to himself. And when he detects that he is being marginalized and we're more interested in blessing America or blessing something else rather than blessing him, he will allow us a disruption. But the reason he allows a disruption is because he wants to create a new opportunity for his favor. World events only make sense when you see them through the lens of God's kingdom agenda. For more help doing that, request Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. This world is crazy Spinning out of control People do the wildest things And try to rob you of hope But there is a promise Keep you stable and sane His word will give you clarity And fade to face the day There's a hurt that tries to stop you And make you bitter if it could But what was meant to harm you, my God will turn around for good. I know you didn't see it coming. I know it's not a what you planned. And it's okay, you do not know what to say or to do. Amen. Amen. Alex, you know, you had Angie telling you a song that needed to be played. Right, right. Jan said, Bert, you need to play that song on Exploring the Word, that God's Word gives clarity. And he, you know, he's the one that's in control. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Brent did that for me. That's a very soothing song, wasn't it? It is. And that's what we live in, you know. We live in the hope that Christ gives. So when you read Mark 13, and it tells us all the things that's going to happen, we still live in hope because he's coming back. That's what he said. He is coming back. I want to read this since he'd read that, and then we can go back to verses 13 and following. And notice what it says. Then they will see the Son of Man, verse 26 and 27, They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And when he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. There's going to be a great day when he comes back, Alex. Well, amen. And let me say this, uh, ready or not, you you will appear before the Lord. I mean, you know, now, uh, without getting into the minutia of eschatology, I, I believe in the rapture and the tribulation, but the bottom line, all of Christendom has always affirmed that Christ is coming back, and that just as the Bible says, that all will appear before the Lord. And so you want to, as it says, you mentioned, you know, watch, beware, take care, uh, and and be ready. And as 1 John 2.28 says, to meet the Lord unashamed. Now, verse 14 goes to some Old Testament prophecies about the end times. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, 
And then in parentheses, it says, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor take anything out of the house. Uh, Bert, um, for one thing, there are a number of questions that come up, and I want to speak to some of these. There will be a rebuilt temple. You know, there was the Temple of Solomon. There was this Herodian temple that was rebuilt in 37 B.C. It was destroyed in 70 A.D. I believe that um, we probably will see the beginnings of the rebuilding of a third temple in our lifetime. Yeah. And it, it could go very quickly. And let me say this, I'll throw to you, this thing called the abomination of desolation, this is going to be when uh, the Antichrist and his minions defile this temple and basically on the altar that is supposedly to God, the beast will demand to be worshipped or those that refuse will be executed. And so this place, Jerusalem, a place of the worship of the true God, will become a place of incredible demonic activity and blasphemy in the last days, won't it? It really will. The first three and a half years, Antichrist will come on the scene and he'll he'll declare the temple the place. But then at the end of that three and a half years, when you see the abomination of desolation, he is going to come and declare himself as the Christ, the Messiah. And uh, it is. And that goes back to Daniel chapter 11 and 13. It also goes back to a time where uh, during the period of the Maccabees that before they overthrew that they came and they poured swine blood on the altar. And mm-hmm. and so these were very horrible days. And I wasn't even going to bring that up. Yeah, well, you said not to get in the minutiae, and I, I don't very seldom, but that was just so blatant. And notice what it says here, and I think this is so important. Verse 19, for in those days there will be tribulation such has not been from the beginning of creation which God created unto this time, nor ever shall be. This is the last three and a half years. This is the time when the judgment really is poured out one right after another. Lives are lost, and the the foliage is, is burned up, famines all over. And so this is the difficult time. And uh, that's one reason I believe uh, in the seven-year tribulation, Alex, is because of these verses. We've always had tribulation. There was tribulation for those apostles that he was talking to there uh, because each one of those uh, except John would die a martyr's death. And John, there's speculation on just exactly how he would die. He lived to be a long age. We know that. But yeah. they were under persecution. As I said, it says in, in, in these places here that there's going to be all this taking place in, in verses 8 and following, it sounds horrible and bad, but then all of a sudden in 19, there's going to be the greater tribulation. And honestly, he does not even take time to explain how bad it is. If you get exactly, you see what I'm saying? It grows worse and worse, doesn't it? Well, it, it really does. And in 21, it, Mark 13, 21, it, Jesus said, If anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. Now, you know, I, it's funny, Bert, I was watching a YouTube video yesterday of, a, of an atheist who was basically critiquing the book of Revelation. And this particular atheist was on YouTube, and he said, uh, the book of Revelation, you know, these evangelical conservatives, they think it's going to be some future tribulation, but it all happened in the past. Uh, and Revelation is not prophecy, but history. Now, I disagree with that. But listen to this. In verse 24, Jesus said, in those days... After the tribulation, the sun will be darkened. Well, it says after that tribulation. So there's persecution, there's the defilement of the temple, and it says in the seven year, the second half of the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. By the way, that's a reference from Daniel 7. 13 and 14, which was written 
over four and a half to five centuries before the birth of Christ. Son of man comes in clouds of glory. He will send his angels, gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest part of the earth, farthest part of heaven. Now, Bert, here's the thing. To the skeptic that says, oh, all this has already happened, uh, when did the stars fall? <laughs> and when did the, you know, the solar system unravel? Uh, it, that never happened yet. And here we have Jesus in Mark 13, Christ, the Savior, predicting some of the uh, amazing, horrific events of the tribulation. My point being, uh, it hadn't happened yet. It's going to happen. It's at some future point. But uh, you can believe what the Bible says about end-time prophecies. You really can. And again, yes, they've had tribulation all through the centuries. Jesus said it. In this world, talking about followers of him, you will have difficulties, tribulation, hardship. They will be part of the the societies that we live in. Now, we here in America, we're so blessed because of the founding of this country and what the forefathers laid out for us, especially, I would say, in the Bill of Rights. And, and when you see all that, yes, we've had that. But while we've been sitting here in this uh, basically calmness concerning Christian persecution. Persecution's been taking place around the world in horrific ways. And even now in Sudan, even now in Nigeria, North Korea, our brothers and sisters in Christ are being slain. They're being imprisoned. And, and it's going on in China. It is going on in Afghanistan, in Yemen. And you can just name all of that. But again, Alex, you said it. We haven't seen anything yet with those moons, but I still go back to verse 19. There's going to be tribulation, and it's going to be like the world. It's, it's, it's more worldwide. It's not regional. And so we're and, – and when you see what you just said earlier as we came on the air, how that we are being watched and observed, and the world is trying to get to a one-world economic system, a one-world government. There's so many that are pushing for that. That's leading us into this period of time. And there'll even be, quote, that desire to have a one world religion. And mm. uh, I think it's going to be secularism if you want to know the yeah, truth. For and, real. and But that's what their desire is. And so that's what he concludes with the hope. And that's the reason that song and, and, and Brent playing it today, it says, don't lose hope. I know it's rough, I know it's hard, and I know you can be discouraged, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Alex, he was Lord when he was in the manger. He was Lord when he was walking on earth. He was Lord on the cross. He's Lord at the right hand of the Father, and he is Lord now and forevermore. And so he hasn't lost his position and so he, he's the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. So our hope is in him, not in yeah. the situation, but in the person who rules over that situation. Well, and, and let me just say this, folks, and I don't mean to digress, but Mark 13, 21 through 23, where Jesus says, do not be deceived by false Christ. Folks, uh, very prominent in the news right now, Uh, is the subject of artificial intelligence. And Bert, I started a week ago writing an article that I'm going to submit to Randall Murphy in the journal, and uh, it's like I've got to revise it already. And one of the big things is what's called a deep fake. Now, maybe you've seen photographs that um, are, they look real, but they're fake. Did you see in the news where a a family, uh, artificial intelligence took, their daughter's voice sent a, a voice message and said, hey, I'm being held for ransom. Help me, help me. Yep. And it was a fake, right? Well, that's why, look, you've got to know the Word of God. I want to encourage you, have, have Bibles and books. They're saying that as America's public libraries are closing, 100,000 books a week are being thrown in dumpsters. Folks, um, artificial intelligence can't uh, revise and spin my Encyclopedia Britannica from a few years ago. My, you know, uh, and so, folks, saturate your mind with truth, so that even in a world where there is AI 
and spin and revisionist history, we're not going to be deceived. But verse 28, learn a parable of the fig tree. Now, Bert, a lot of people, probably one of the best books, the late, great John Walford of Dallas Seminary uh, put out a book about 25 years ago called Oil Armageddon and the Middle East. Right. And he talks about the fig tree is, is always Israel. So many have theorized that the parable of the fig tree, when the fig tree puts forth leaves, summer is near. When you see these things happening, that it is near at the doors, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Now, I'm just going to say this. The fig tree is Israel. I, I don't know every detail, but I know the rebirth of the nation of Israel 75 years ago, Bert, May of 1948, is one of the most prophetically significant things um, in in recent Amen. memory. Amen, Alex. And the word generation, honestly, can can talk about a family or a group of people. And I, I really believe, look what he is saying. Look what happened to the Jewish people in 70 A.D. They were dispersed all over. The great dispersion, they were scattered all over the known world. But they came together back in 1948. They were already coming together. But the nation was recognized in 1948. And yes, and so these people, the Jewish people, they they are not going to fade away. You know, how many times have they been tried to, to do away with the Jewish people? Look what the Nazis did under mm. Hitler. Look in Haman in the Old in Testament. Haman in the Old Testament. And and this promise is if you want to promise Look at the Jewish people, and they're still with us, and many of them are being saved today. You've you've shared this several times, Alex, that you've heard from people that keep up with it that there's more Jewish believers now than there's ever been in any time in history. What a praise that is, and then they're a nation. So that generation will not means pass away till these things take place. And so we are assured they will. Heaven and earth will pass away, but verse 31 my words will by no means pass away. Alex, mm. have you noticed in the middle of this the hope when he talks about Jesus coming back in power and glory? And now here again in verse 31, my word will not by no means pass away. The Amen. hope is in Jesus Christ, which we know from his word and the Holy Spirit in us, Alex. What a Amen. promise we have, brother. Well, and it goes on, and let me encourage you to read the remainder of Mark 13. He says, of no, that day and hour nobody knows, but watch and be ready, be ready, be faithful. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to take phone calls. The number, call it now, 888-589-8840, and we'll take your Bible question when we come back. The tornadoes that twisted across parts of the Midwest and Mid-South left an aftermath of overwhelming destruction and grief. Now chaplains from the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team are there in the midst of the devastation, sharing the hope and love of Jesus Christ with those who are suffering. God is at work. You can find out how on Facebook. Search for Billy Graham Rapid Response Team. The Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, sharing hope in crisis. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Hello, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ian devastated southwest Florida late last year, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane and leaving tens of thousands of families in need of help. Hurricane Ian caused over $110 billion of damage, but today we're excited to announce that 8 Days of Hope 19 will take place in Fort Myers, Florida from May 20th to the 27th, bringing much-needed relief to these families in need. We'll be focusing on roofing and drywall, mechanicals, painting, and so much more. If you love to use your gifts to serve those in need, we invite you to join us. It's free. We provide the food and lodging. Everyone is invited regardless of your skill set or your age. 
If you can't volunteer, we invite you to pray for this outreach. Pray that the families we serve would see God glorified as we rebuild their homes. For additional information regarding this rebuilding trip and how to get involved, please visit 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Paul's epistle to the Romans was written to believers. This verse highlights the fact that it's possible for Christians to be conformed to the world's ways. The word conform there means to be squeezed into the mold of another. Rather than being squeezed into the world's mold, the Lord requires us to be transformed by having our minds renewed by God's word. Everything about us must be held up to the light of Scripture, and wherever there's any discrepancy, we must be transformed. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane, Bert Harper. And this is the part of the program where we take your Bible questions. The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And by the way, if you ever want to email us, you can reach us, word, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. And you can submit Bible questions there as well. Might become topic for a future show. But, Bert, where should we go first today? Well, first, we're in Mississippi. Welcome, Ted. Welcome, Ted. Hey, good afternoon. Um, I got through a couple of weeks ago. My my question was uh, from First John, the 5th chapter and 16th verse, where John is talking about praying for... Um, the sin that does not lead to death, and the sin that does lead to death. And my question was, is he talking about believers? I heard I heard uh, Bert's comment, the example of uh, God kept Moses out of the promised land because of his sin. Now, that's my question. Does that make any sense? Oh, we mm-hmm. got you, Ted. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, um, I really think the First John five sixteen is a warning to believers of all things that um, you know there are Christians, and I'm not saying they're not saved, but can get so far out of the will of God that maybe for uh, preventing damage to the body of Christ or uh, for other reasons, God takes their life prematurely. And Bert, you know, every day is a gift. I mean, it really is, and and uh, because God. Yes, God loves us, and saved is saved, but I think there have been Christians that so egregiously got involved in carnality and sin that God shortened their life to prevent further damage. I I don't want to be gruesome, but pastoring for 40-something years, I think I've seen it happen, Alex. I don't know how else to say that, but uh, I believe that is it. And You also used Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, oh, yeah. The evidence that they were saved, you know, beforehand, we don't know everything about it. Only God knows all that, and I know that unless God specifically says it in his word. But uh, I, I think that's the right answer, Ted. Thank you for calling back, brother. Let's go to Texas and talk to Patty. Welcome, Patty. Yes. Hi. Um, <clears throat> thank you for taking my call. And um, well, thank, thank I have a question about First Corinthians 15. 20 through 23, um, where it says, or since by, well, let's start with verse 20, 21, or since by man came death, by man, capital M, also come the resurrection of the dead. But for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Mm-hmm. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. 
does that mean God is coming, like, when he comes back, like, um, rapture? Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, it says, if the absence from the body is to be present with the Lord, and then a thief on the cross, you know, he said, he told him, today you will be with me in paradise. So I'm just wondering if you could help me understand that last verse. Mm-hmm. Well, Bert, let me let me jump in on this, and this is great because this does relate to the uh, the resurrection of every believer. Obviously, the first the uh, the first one to rise is Jesus Christ, but then every believer uh, is instantly with the Lord when they die. Although, as I understand, if you take the totality of the scriptures, the permanent, eternal, glorified body we don't get yet. Now, we are tangibly with Christ. Uh, it's very real. And it's like Luke 24, where Jesus says that he, he wasn't just a spirit. He had physical, corporeal form. And every believer that's in, in heaven with the Lord does. But, Bert, as I understand it, at the rapture, the first fruits, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Don't you think that to really fully understand the First Corinthians 15, it's also helpful to look at the First Thessalonians 4? I do. You, you, scripture helps you understand Scripture, and that's what you do here, and I believe it with all my heart. Just remember, and, and I just thought of this, Alex. You know, it's about our soul, spirit goes to be of the Lord, but our body stays here, and yet there's some unknown about what what is in heaven but we know what's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be a reunion when our spirit and soul, we come back, and then the dead in Christ shall be rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in with the Lord in there. Shall We shall get that glorified body. But God always looks on the heart anyway. You remember when he was looking for David in Bethlehem at Jesse's yeah. home? Uh, you know, Samuel was really impressed with Jesse's boys that, <laughs> that uh, you know, Jesse paraded before him, and yeah. uh, and there, I'm putting it in my own vernacular. Yeah, Samuel said, "You don't have anything better than this." <laughs> yeah, and he said, "Yeah, I got one more son." And uh, God does not tell Samuel. God looks upon the heart, and so the innermost part of us, the real us, is present with the Lord. And then there's going to be that reun. Would it be better a reunited of the the body and, and the soul and spirit, Alex, maybe? I think that's a good way to say it. Okay. I really do. Thank you, brother. A great question. Great, Patty. Thank you. Let's stay in Texas and talk to Iris. Welcome, Iris. Well, hi, y'all. I love y'all so much. Pray for you daily, um, the ministry. And um, I was going to say this was an exciting topic that you shared because I'm a Jewish believer, and I came to the Lord 41 years ago during Passover. My birthday, April 5th, came on the Passover time, and I'm one new man with my husband who's been with the Lord for five years because he was a Gentile. And I was going to tell your precious audience, a a precious next-door neighbor, when I was a newlywed in Detroit, um, she prayed for me for 12 years before I accepted Christ. And um, then she had the privilege of coming to the church that I was coming that I was attending at the time, and I've only attended two churches in 41 years. So, wow. um, and That's me and my great. household have been saved for four generations, and um, on both sides, the Jews, Jewish, and the Gentile. But my other question is, is I'm really passionate for the Lord and just finished a, a study of, of the book of Acts. And I, I would like uh, an open-ended question. I eat out a lot because I'm a widow, and um, I would like questions that would be more to ask with waitresses or servers. If I ask how I can pray for them or may I pray for them, most of the time they say everything is okay. And I just speak the aeronautic blessing numbers 624 through 26 over them. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, wow. Go ahead, Alex. Well, do you know what I always try to have with me, like a gospel booklet? Uh, a gospel tract, and I'd say, hey, could I give you this? I appreciate you serving us so much, and uh, let me give you this little booklet. It's got some Bible verses that tell you about how much Jesus loves you, and, you know, uh, you can go to a Christian bookstore or somewhere and get you some of those gospel booklets. But I, I, if they seem conducive to a conversation, you know, I'll often I'll, I'll say, um, 
what are, what are your beliefs? Do you, do you believe in Jesus? And they might say yes or no. And then, you know, I'll say, well, um, I know you're busy. Because, you know, one thing about waitresses, I mean, they, they want to be polite, but they've got a whole lot of people. And believe me, I'm not afraid to talk to anybody about Jesus. But I try to do it in a way that um, doesn't cause them to, for their work to pile up on them. You know what I mean, Bert? Exactly. And, and, you got to, we, we need to show that courteousness and kindness and asking them to pray. I agree with you, Iris. That is the most effective way. And then with Alex saying, here, this, you're taking up very little of their time, but you're also leaving them with something that they can take with them if they choose to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But thank you for wanting to be a witness. I commend you. Hey, praise the Lord. My One of my very best friends is what he we call a completed Jew. He's been saved close to 40 years now as well, and just one of my very dearest friends and loves the Lord. And so you get... Uh, I, I just praise God for that, Iris. Amen. Let's go. Well, we're going to stay in Texas and talk to Gina. Welcome, Gina. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I have a question. <clears throat> Sorry. So we were sitting at the dinner table last night with my parents and my children and my husband and I, and we started having a conversation about people who had seen Mary appear to them or tell them things, the mother of Jesus. And my children were like, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. And one of my daughters said, I think that's a demon. And my parents were like, well, Jesus or, Jesus had the transfiguration, and they came back from the dead, um, the two guys that appeared to Jesus. And then Samuel came back from the dead to talk to King Saul. So maybe because Mary was beloved, she could do the same thing. And we just sat there dumbfounded like, uh, I don't think that's biblical, but I don't know where that says she couldn't do that. Thank you, Gina. Go ahead, Alex. Well, Galatians 1.8, the Apostle Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven uh, preaches a different gospel, let them be anathema or accursed. And I, I'm a little bit leery because, see, Second. Peter 1, 16 through 21, speaking of the Bible being the final word of prophecy about Jesus, we have a sure word of prophecy. In other words, we know what the Bible says, Jesus, salvation, right? But apparitions and visions, they may or may not say something scriptural. In fact, there have been many false religions that got started over, you know, uh, some apparition that taught something contrary to scripture. So, Bert, i, I got to be honest. I know we live in a supernatural world, and there are things that appear and happen. But i got to tell you, whenever you're getting supernatural information from something other than the written Word of God, <laughs> be, be careful. careful. Be careful. It's a more—the Word, the Bible, is a more sure Word. It is settled in heaven. And I, I could not ask add anything— that Alex said it, Gina. I think uh, he gave great, great thought to that. Thank you for calling, and praise the Lord for your family sitting around and talking and discussing those Amen. things at the table. Right. May you continue to do that. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Gary. Welcome, Gary. Hi. Yes, thank you for calling Hello. today. Okay. Um, yes, I was just curious how um, – um, how you did this? Do you work your way through the entire Bible on the different books, even the lesser used ones like Obadiah and stuff like that, through through your Bible study radio program? And um, I don't know, in my study Bible, like like Jonah, I, I would love it if you do a book of Jonah and tie it together with Nahum, because according to my study Bible, they did repent in Jonah, but about 110 years later, they went reverted back to their old ways of doing things and. Yeah. God did destroy Nineveh eventually. I just Amen. Hey, uh, caller. First of all, I I commend you for reading the Word and thank you for listening to our show. And this is where listeners, everybody, give a big round of applause to Bert Harper because Brother Bert has kept copious notes about when we did which book. And very often I'll say, Hey, Bert, have we ever done? you know, Jude or Third John, and Bert, in just one minute, he'll say, that was May of 
2017 or you know whatever so bert um to the caller's question yes we have taught yes. every single book and brother bert i want to thank you for keeping such meticulous records well i keep them after the fact you do a good job before i i tell you but between us we do but yes and matter of fact gary we did that we did jonah and then we followed it up with nahum, nahum. And, and, we did. and that's how we do it and reading it i if you can find let me just share with you i believe in it i think i know i think chronologically when i get something chronologically I, I can retain it much, much better. So there's some chronological Bibles. It goes in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And I, I just want to tell you, Gary, they, it, that is a good way to do it. It helps you to yeah. pe- put the pieces together rather than jumping around from one to the other. I think it does Bert, well. I was just going to mention that, folks. Uh, Thomas Nelson, very reputable. We love Thomas Nelson Publishers. They published a chronological study Bible. Everything is in the historical sequential order, and they can be very helpful, can't they, Bert? They really can, and it, it, it really helped me. That that changed me completely when I discovered that I could do that. We're going to try to get in one more call. Elizabeth, we don't have a lot of time, but go right ahead. Thank you for calling. Sure. Thanks. Thank you for taking our call. Um, my my boys and I listen on the way home from school, and um they wanted to call in and give you a question, um, and I told them they had to um, come up with a question. One of their questions was um, that if you are in hell, will you be not able to talk to Jesus at all? Because they, they came up with the scripture that, you know, the scripture that says, um, you know, the guy that was the rich man in hell that yeah. is wanting a drink of water. Okay. Elizabeth, I'm cutting you off, not because you're not important, but giving Alex and myself time. Uh, thank you for your children. And, man, mm. give every, that's, that's very important. Thank you. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Um, no more communication with Jesus in hell. I mean, sad thing. Now, the Luke 16, Abraham and the rich man, for the purposes of that, scenario is very frightening to even read the rich man was crying out but this is the thing folks be saved because look once you leave this world if you're lost no more communication with god or anyone it's aloneness forever how frightening that would be turn to christ and enjoy the fellowship of the savior and the church in the joy of heaven eternally man's first problem was aloneness it was not good to man to be alone that's the hor- one, one of the horrible things in hell, the feeling of aloneness that they may. It, I've heard people say, oh, I'm going to hell, to hell, but I'm going with a whole group of people, but you will no, be and no. feel alone. It's also the second greatest thing that children have, babies, is the fear of falling and loud noises. And hell is filled. It's called the bottomless pit. You don't want to go there. Come to Christ don't wait. Alex, it's been good to be with you, brother, and I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, my friend. God bless you, folks. Keep the event in prayer for Tennessee, and we'll see you again soon on Truth for a New Gen- Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.